been the classic... Oh, there we go, it's working. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> it's lovely to see you all here today. There's a few on holidays, but there's still, yeah, still a lot of us here, which is great. Um, I hope you're all enjoying our wonderful summer weather. Look outside, isn't it so sunny and beautiful and warm? <laughs> no. I really do hope you are enjoying your summer though. And it is, it is such a privilege to be able to be trusted enough to be able to come up here and stand on stage and be able to speak God's word to you guys. So I, I take this as a, as a great privilege and I, I do hope that what I have to say today is not just my words, but it's God's words too. So I'm just going to quickly pray. So if you'll bow your heads with me. Lord, I just thank you for a new day, Lord. I thank you for each person in this room this morning. Um, and Lord, I just pray that, uh, yeah, that you would just continue to be with us uh, now, Lord. I pray that you would speak through me, Lord, that my wo words won't be my own, Lord, but um, your spirit would be prompting me um, and that many can be touched and blessed by you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, for some of us, we we're on school holidays. Who's excited that they're on school holidays? Oh, I'm seeing a, few, I'm seeing a lot of hands around. <laughs> Which parents are excited that it's school holidays? Oh, okay. Yep, yeah, that's good. It's nice to see parents that are excited to spend time with their kids. <laughs> one, one thing that I used to always love about school holidays was all of the movies that came out at the cinema. There's always so many movies, and it's like, with, with, with my family, I was never really allowed to go to every single movie I wanted, so I always had to pick out the favourite movie that I wanted to go see and be like, Mom and Dad, I really want to go see Toy Story 3. That was a tearjerker. Don't go watch that if you haven't seen it yet. You're going to cry. Um, <laughs> so you had to pick which sort of movie you wanted to see in the cinemas. But now that I'm older, and some might say independent, I can go whenever I like. <laughs> And it's fantastic. And so this summer, the new Star Wars movie has come out. And it's called Rogue One. And it's a great movie. It's about all these wonderful... Oh, my, how did that get up there? Okay, there we go. It's Rogue One. <laughs> it's called Rogue One. It's the latest Star Wars movie. I'm a Star Wars geek. I love Star Wars. Any other Star Wars geeks? Oh, yes. Amen. Love you guys. So this, this summer, I've been like, yes, I'm ready for the new Star Wars movie. And so I've seen it in cinemas too many times that I care to mention. And I love it so much. But when you, I don't know if you've noticed, but when you seem to watch a movie more than once, more than twice, more than three times, um, sometimes there are certain things that stick out to you in the movie. And for me... One line has always stuck out. A few funny lines here and there, but one line has always stuck out to me from Rogue One. Now, I'll just set the scene for you. So in this movie, it's a classic good versus evil. We've got the, the good freedom fighters, we've got the rebels, and we've got, they're called the First Order, or the Bad Empire kind of thing. And there's a good versus evil battle going on, the good guys, all the odds seem to be against them and they have to try and defeat the, the bad guys. They have to try and take down this huge weapon that the enemy has and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of hope. So the rebels, they're losing hope against a powerful enemy. There is only one thing that they can do that can bring freedom to the galaxy. It is not easy. Their lives are at stake. It's a real David versus Goliath scenario. The main character up on the screen here, Jin, she's awesome. Jin gives a motivational speech as they're flying on their spaceship onto, onto the planet where they're about to 
save the day or hope that they save the day. And this is what Jin says in her motivational speech. She quotes one of her mentors, Saw Guerrero, and she says, Saw Guerrero used to say that one man armed with a stick and nothing else and has nothing left to lose can save the day. And every time I've watched that, I've, I've heard that line. And just a picture has come to my mind. I don't know if you can picture it right now yourself, but you can picture a man, a, a lone man, in the midst of a great big battle. All these people around him with swords and shields and maybe a lightsaber or two and just all this crazy battle going on and there's this one lone guy and all he has is a stick. He has nothing else. He's just standing there with a stick but he's got nothing left to lose. He's like, if I die today, so be it. I'm going to fight till the death. And he takes a day with that one stick. Can you, t can you picture that? It's almost an impossible situation. But it's a very powerful saying. Now hold on to that thought. <laughs> so this summer... At Christian Family Church, we're talking about daring faith. So this is part three of daring faith. Now that phrase might scare you, daring faith. It might make you uncomfortable, perhaps. It might uh, make you feel a bit like, oh no, what are they going to talk about? Am I going to feel uncomfortable as I talk about it? But let me put it this way. The Christian walk was never really meant to be comfortable. It's not supposed to be a smooth, you know, What's the highest class on an aeroplane? A class? We'll say that. A smooth, you know, what's that, sorry? First class. It's not supposed to be a smooth first class ride to heaven. Ne never meant to just be quiet and inward. It's never meant to be just for you and for no one else. But the Christian life was meant to be bold, full of passion and action and love and life. It's not supposed to be boring. It's supposed to be quite the opposite. And so daring faith is something that when we think about it and when we actually look at it in the light of our awesome God, it's an exciting thing. So I'm excited to be able to talk with you guys about it this morning. So I don't know um, if you've noticed, but I really do love Star Wars. Um, and the Rogue One team showed daring faith. They had a mission. They had a lot at stake. Their freedom, their lives, the freedom of the galaxy... They had to let go of what they had to lose. They had to leave it behind. And they had to completely give of themselves to the mission. But enough about Star Wars. So, I'm not sure if you know this. You may have heard this one or two times before. But we are in a spiritual battle. Has anyone, anyone ever heard that before? <laughs> we are in a spiritual battle. Every single person sitting here this morning is in a spiritual battle. Every person who's not sitting here this morning, is in a spiritual battle. Whether your beliefs are, whatever your beliefs are, we're all in a spiritual battle. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, you can turn to it if you like. Hopefully you can read along with me, it's not too small. But it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil, place, uh, evil spirits in the heavenly places. Church, we have a mission amidst this battle. We have a mission to live like Jesus, to deny any other influences and to drink in his love, his teaching, his forgiveness, his authority and not only that for ourselves, but we have a mission to share that with others around us. Other brothers and sisters, to build them up in the faith, but those who don't know Jesus, those who don't know their creator, 
That is our mission amidst this battle. Now, I realise that standing here and trying to paint everyone with the same brush is just going to get me absolutely nowhere. We all have the same mission, but our mission plan kind of looks a bit different for each person, doesn't it? No, no two people have exactly the same journey. No one has the same plan set out by God for them. Everyone's looks different. So just think about your own struggles your own life, what you're going through, what your last week looks like, what's your past month looks like, looks like, what's your last year looks like, 2016 or even the start of 2017. What have you been fighting against? Flesh and blood, maybe finances, maybe reputation, maybe relationships, you name it. We're all in a different, uh, a different journey. We're all going through different things. Let me ask you this. While, while we've been experiencing these struggles and these things that we've been going through, whether they be good or bad or in between, where have your eyes been? Have your, have your eyes been on the struggles? Have you been totally overwhelmed by what you're going through? Or have your eyes been on your mighty God? I believe that one of the strategies of the enemy is to distract us from fighting the good fight. I remember last year at youth, I did a little uh, example of, of, of how the enemy tries to distract us from something good. We had, I had a couple of the youth up on stage and we had a box, it was like a treasure box. Um, and in that treasure box was like an inheritance that, was, that, was, that belonged to, let's say, me. That was my inheritance. It belonged to me. But then there was this other person who didn't want me to get that inheritance. And so what we did at youth is the person who didn't want the inheritance to be found, rather than stealing the inheritance because they were too weak to steal that, what they would do is they would try to distract the person who was supposed to get the inheritance. They, were to, they pulled out all these different things that seemed really cool. It's like, oh, come and have a look at this. Come and have a look at this. Oh, look how scary this is. And to, to make them to take their eyes off the prize and take their eyes off what their inheritance was. One of the strategies of the enemy is to distract us from fighting the good fight. What happens once we do fix our eyes on God? What happens then? In my experience... Once I'm done being distracted by all my struggles and I get, I don't know, maybe a sermon on a Sunday makes me realize, oh, wow, Sam, you've not been uh, looking at the right place. You've been missing out on the whole point. Once I'm done being distracted by my struggles, sometimes, admittedly, I can become distracted by what I have to lose instead of being motivated by what there is to save. So if you want to turn to Mark chapter 10, in your Bible. I'm going to open up to the story where Jesus uh, speaks to the rich young man. So the rich young man in Mark chapter 10, he wanted to follow Jesus. So it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man run, ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother and father. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. 
Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love that bit. I'm just going to read it again for emphasis. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Now, this young man, he wanted to have daring faith. This rich young man, he came up to Jesus. He was like, I've done the homework. I've obeyed my parents. I've not stolen anything. I've not murdered. I've done all of this. I am ready to step into daring faith. But there was one thing holding him back. He wasn't willing to let go of his wealth. Is there something that we're not willing to let go of? Is there something that we're holding in higher priority than God? Is there something that maybe we're letting God have this certain part of our lives? Maybe we're letting him have Sunday mornings. Maybe we're letting him have Friday nights. Maybe we're letting him have certain parts of our lives. But when it comes to this particular part of my life, no, God, God, I'm in control here. I'm, I'm in control of my destiny. And just in that, you have everything else. But this one, I'm sorry, that's just for me. Is there something we're not willing to let go of? I'll be the first to say that, yes, there's... There's definitely things that I know that I'm working hard to, to let go of. We're all on a journey. None of us are perfect, but we're all on a journey, journey to perfection. Jesus died, rose again, and has brought us forgiveness and grace so that we can be called perfect by God and to live under his blessing. But we're still on that awesome journey to perfection, that journey to life. So it seems impossible to let go of some of these things. But Jesus himself, the man, the reason why we're all here this morning, Jesus himself said that with God, all things are possible. Who believes that this morning? With God, all things are possible. That's a very big statement. That's a very big statement. When I was a kid, I used to think, oh, okay, so I can be like Superman and have laser vision and fly and stuff. That's kind of cool. But when you get older, you, you, you begin to have these struggles or have these scenarios where you're like, oh, well, there's no budging that. Do you believe that with God, all things are possible in, according, in accordance to his will? Another example from the Bible. We all know David versus Goliath. We've got young David. He's, oh, I don't know how old, exactly how old he is in this story, but he's a young shepherd boy. Um, back in First Samuel chapter 17 and the Israelites, they're taking on the Philistines in a war, but all of, the, all of the Israelites are absolutely scared out of their wits because every morning when they come out to face each other and, I don't know, try and talk all tough to each other, the Philistines bring out their Goliath and he's about ridiculously tall. Anyone know exactly how many feet tall he is? 13. 13? Are you going to say that, Millie? <laughs> 
he's, he's a tall fella and he's scary, he's menacing, he's got the whole get up, he's got the sword, he's got the person to carry his shield, which probably is trying to fall down because the shield's so big, because Goliath's so big, and he's scary. And all the Israelites are terrified of him. And then there's David, and he comes along, and he's like, what's all this about? Why is everyone, why are all the Israelites scared? What's, what's this Philistine saying to make you all scared? And so I'll read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 17. So David goes up to King Saul, who was the king of Israel at the time, and says, don't worry. Oh, sorry, I'll just quickly go over this uh, slide here. But as David is going up to face Goliath, he stood to lose a lot of things. He stood to lose good relationship with his brothers. He stood to lose his reputation. He stood to lose his life. And David showed daring faith. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, he goes up to King Saul and says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. So David acknowledged that the Lord gave him victory over the lions and the bears. He, David didn't just say, I'm able to take on this Philistine in my own strength because in the past, I've defeated bears, I've, I've defeated lions. I'm mighty, I'm amazing, I can take on this Philistine. No, he, he acknowledges God for being his power, for being his strength, and for being his saviour. This time, versus Goliath, he still had a lot to lose. Maybe even more than what he had to lose against the bear or the lion. But David still stood strong in God. He was one young man with a stick or a slingshot, and he had nothing left to lose. He gave himself completely to God. He gave himself completely to God's mission, and he boldly, passionately faced the giant, and he won the day for God. Who here wants to be like David? Who here wants that dedication to the cause? That is absolutely exhilarating. We read about that. I've, I've read that, that story, David and Goliath, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. It's, I've heard it over and over since I was a little kid. And when you're a kid, you just kind of accept things, go, wow, yeah, that's awesome. But then sometimes we can let things come too familiar to us. But as we get older as, as adults, God still wants us to have that child life faith, doesn't he? He still wants us to gaze in awe and just marvel at his power and his, his might and his, and his beauty. And so David versus Goliath, 
is a fantastic depiction of what is capable with God. So we all want that dedication to the cause. We all want to be like David and have that daring faith. Let me tell you something. If you know Jesus this morning, you've already got it. You've already got that daring faith. You have already been given that power. You have already been given that authority to take on your journey, your mission with that daring faith. We just need to awaken it. We just need to realize, I've been given it. I'm able to use it. I've been given authority. I've been given power by the Son of God, by the King of kings and by the Lord of lords. Each one of you here this morning, if you know Jesus, you've been given that power and that authority. So how do we awaken that? Well, God reminded me of a, of a way to awaken it just this week. So earlier this week, I was on a plane flight. And uh, it was only a couple of hours. Um, but if there's anyone here this morning that's always looking, seeking out for opportunities to share their faith with people on the streets or wherever, you love plane flights because you're allocated a seat next to one or two people and for at least a couple of hours, they can't get away from you. <laughs> and so you can talk till you're blue in the face and they can't really escape. But anyway... It's definitely an evangelism, yay. So I was sat on this plane ride next to a man. I'm going to call him Jerry. And at the start of the plane ride, we had a bit of small talk. It was, he was a really nice guy. Um, he, we got to talk about the weather, a very exciting small talk uh, topic of conversation. Um, we got to talk about where we're both from, what we're both doing, going, from, uh, going on the plane flight. It was really cool just, just getting to know a stranger. And then as the flight began to... Well, as we lifted off and then I was able to take the, the tray out um, to sit my notebook on and my Bible on, I began to work on my sermon for this morning. And, uh, and him seeing that opened up a pretty cool opportunity to talk to him about God. Um, and so him and I just kind of engaged in conversation. I can't remember exactly every single word that we had, but I got to share about my belief, my faith, what my life has been like with God. He shared what he believed. It turned out he was an atheist. He didn't believe that there could be a good God in this world that we live in. And so I really, I really enjoyed getting to talk to him about God. We were two people, complete strangers, had different belief sets, um, but we were just able to have an awesome chat on the plane about God. Now, by the end of our discussion, I didn't feel like I'd helped him move on his position on God at all. I didn't feel like I had made any ground. I didn't feel like I'd given this amazing inspirational speech for him to go, yep, I laid down my life, Jesus is my Lord and Saviour right here and now. I've heard those stories time and time again, and yeah, they happen, but sometimes it's bit by bit that God is chasing after a person. Sometimes it's bit by bit that God is gently wooing people into his presence, into his love, into his reality. So by the end of this discussion, I didn't feel like I had made much ground, but you know what? It didn't really bother me. Rather, it stirred me. It awakened in me it awakened a passion and enthusiasm to just keep growing in my ability to witness to others. Why did this awakening occur? Because I realized the whole purpose of our battle. I was reminded of the heart of the Father, of our Father, of my Father. 
Is the heart of the Father to simply wipe out all that oppose him? Is the heart of the Father to give all Christians the right to say, well, what I believe is true, so nothing you can say can make me wrong? No. The heart of the Father, it's for Jerry. It's for the lost. It's for the broken. It's for those who don't know their creator. It's for those who don't know their father. It's for those who don't know their authority that is just waiting for them, don't know their inheritance that is just waiting for them. The heart of the Father is for the lost. God isn't sending us on this mission with a whip to terrify us. He doesn't want to beat us into submission. He doesn't want to use scare tactics to get us to do his work. No, from the very beginning, God has loved humankind. From the very beginning, we have been created by him. Jesus says that I no longer call you slaves, but I call you brothers and sisters. I call you friends. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And he sought out each of us in different ways. Some of us have been brought up by Christian parents. Some of us have had a different revelation about God, maybe through a friend or uh, through whatever it might be. Each of us have come to faith in different ways. But each of us have been wooed by the same God who loves us dearly. But he doesn't want to be the control freak leader that goes and does all the work for himself. He has a mission and he invites us. He, want, he chooses to use us as sons and daughters to carry out this great and powerful mission. How fantastic is that? Who's excited that they get to be part of the mission of God? Let me read to you 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. So in talking about what Ed was speaking about earlier, just um, hearing from what he was saying, we can see that the Lord is going to return one day. There's, there's no two questions about it. Jesus is coming back. Yeah, definitely. Hallelujah indeed. And this is what Paul says about the Lord coming back. So 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is the heart of the Father. That is the heart of the Father, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is patient. God is kind. God is love. He is slow for the sake of those who are yet to come to repentance. And so if we wanted Jesus to come soon and come quickly, we better get out there and show them how awesome our God is and how much he loves them. What a great mission that we have to be a part of. What, what's holding us back? What do we have to let go of? What do we need to let go of so all we have is a stick and nothing left to lose and a great mission to fight? Who wants to be that person? Who wants to be a David? Who wants to be like those people in Rogue One? Star Wars, I do. <laughs> Church, what a great mission we have. What a mighty purpose there is to have a daring faith we're not just talking about religion and rules. We're talking about living people. We're talking about creations of God. We're talking about sons and daughters of God. So what does daring faith look like for us as Christian Family Church in Colac? 
is the first step to just begin to talk about it here at church on a Sunday morning. Would you, would you let it resonate throughout your mind for the rest of the day? Maybe even think about it Monday or maybe Tuesday. See how you're going Wednesday. Maybe you remember back to, to what you heard about on Sunday. Are we going to let this resonate in our hearts and in our minds? Are we going to let it resonate in our very being of who we are? How many people does God want to touch through each of us this morning? Strangers on the street, co-workers and friends, family members, one another. I want to be a David. I want to be that guy with a stick. (laughs) And I I encourage you guys to join me in that battle because it's such a wonderful battle. And none of us, none of us, get it right every single time. But you know what? We're family. We encourage each other. We love each other. We lift each other up. We remind ourselves of the Father. We remind ourselves who we are. We remind ourselves how powerful our mighty God is and that he's given us that power. Now, again, each person has... It looks completely different, that mission. For each person, it's different. Some of you guys are parents. That's a whole new ball game in itself. I don't know yet, but from what I've heard, it, it's pretty tough. Um, some of you guys are working full-time. Some of you guys are kids in school. We're all in different, different walks of life. We've all got different struggles. We've all got things that we're looking forward to this week, or we've all got things we're not looking forward to this week. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is with you each step. We can't all physically be with each other throughout the week, can we? But no, the Holy Spirit is. And we are a people united by the Holy Spirit. We are people united by Jesus under a loving, powerful God who will ultimately triumph. And let's just get that perspective because once we get that perspective, once we get rid of all those distractions that the enemy has set in front of us, man, are we going to be a force to be reckoned with. I'm excited to see what God has to do in Colac in 2017. I'm so excited. So let's pray hard. Let's be bold. Let's be passionate. Let's set our eyes on our powerful God. Let's encourage one another. Let's look to our brothers and sisters and say, hey, can I encourage you? Can I pray for you? Can I do anything for you? Let's forgive people who have trespassed against us. Let's be sons and daughters of the living God. I'm going to end there. I'm going to ask the band to come up. But let's not just forget about this awesome mission that we have. Amen. God is good. Um, As we sing this last song, The Lord is My Strength, it's a great song. let's, Let's sing it with power. Let's sing it with authority. And I really do ask if anyone would like to come up for prayer or just to chat, just come up up the front as we're singing this song and we'd love to pray for you and, and care for you.